Well, Razorback fans, it was indeed a Woo Pig weekend for all the right reasons for all the Razorback sports. So let's talk all about it on today's Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend as uh, I'm trying not to lose my voice because I was definitely having a good time there in Fayetteville, watching all of the great things that were going on in Fayetteville. And, uh, you know, we, I laughed about it being called a Whoopig weekend. I laughed about uh, how it was being treated. But when it came to the spring game, when it came to Razorback baseball, even Razorback softball, it was definitely a great one as Arkansas won the weekend from beginning to end. And we'll talk about the three major sports, especially with uh, football and baseball and then basketball, even some basketball news uh, as, as the show goes on. But I was trying to think about where to start, really, for uh, how we were going to approach the opening segment. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter, really, because we're going to cover it all. But I I did decide, though, that with the spring game going down on Saturday and it kind of coming to an end as far as the actual spring practices and any sort of big news coming from those spring practices, minus transfers coming in or out, which I feel like are inevitable, those will happen. Uh, we could go ahead and knock this out and, and go ahead and talk about it and dive into it itself because there were a few things that were going on that honestly I think were going to be very interesting for, uh, again, all the right reasons. At least uh, that's the way I'm going to treat it as. But overall, I thought that the spring game was what it was and what we all thought it would be. A very simple, hey, we're practicing. Hey, this is how it looks. Hey, we're not going through too much contact. Hey, we're going to... Uh, show off this a little bit, show off that a little bit. Like as far as anything of note or any sort of extremely big breaking news for what's going to be happening this upcoming season, the spring game really wasn't for that. I was able to attend it. I thought the weather was perfect for the spring game itself. And of course, the huge shift and change in the weather ended up affecting uh, the baseball games as far as being a little bit on the chillier side, uh, especially with the nasty wind that was there. But when the spring game actually took place, uh, the weather was beautiful, and there's about as many fans as I expected there to be. You know, it wasn't a massive crowd, but I think a lot of people were probably worried about the storms or worried about the weather that was been coming in. And so, uh, essentially, what you had though is just a big practice. And uh, you know, it's, I've looked at it as far as when I watched it and I saw who looked good and uh, what I liked, and maybe something that really wasn't of note. And when it comes to the actual, we'll start with the offense. Uh, I think the one like there's two things that really stood out to me more so than anything on the offensive side of the ball. One of them is something I've been hoping for and I've been expecting, but to actually see it in some sort or some form of practice and and, uh, see it actually get executed. It's about the quarterback position and the fact that overall you have upgraded dramatically at the entire quarterback position in that quarterback room. Not only is KJ Jefferson look as cool, calm, and collected and confident as he always has. Uh, He made beautiful throws. Uh, He had uh, especially some deep balls there. You can see what the formations are going to look like and how the offense is going to be. But as as bad as it is to say, it's not even like I really care about KJ. (laughs) 
It's like, because I know how great KJ is. And I know how great he's going to be and how successful he's going to be while in this system. But it came down to seeing what Jacoby Criswell, uh, Malachi Singleton, Cade Fortin, those guys after KJ, how did they look? Did they look like a bunch of true freshman rookie kids out there that had no idea what they were doing and they had to call timeouts and they had to explain the plays to them? Not that I saw. And I know that they're still going to have open competition and you're still far away from having an official depth chart. But it is incredible to me to be able to see, okay, KJ, knowing how great he is, if he gets hurt, if he gets banged up, has to come out for a play. How's Arkansas look there? Jacoby Criswell looks great. Now, he looks the part. He looks like a backup quarterback should, where obviously he's not as good as KJ. Uh, he doesn't have all the skill sets that KJ has. And I really hope that we don't have to see much of Jacoby Criswell because it means that KJ is staying healthy all year. But you could definitely tell a, a massive change and as far as how that looks from a, what it was a year ago. Now, I'm not sitting here trying to hate on uh, previous quarterbacks or in, even in previous coordinators necessarily. I think it's all-encompassing of just changing the culture and changing the way that they're going about it. But just looking at the the, the skill set and the athleticism and the decision-making and uh, the durability, of just all of that going together, it's about what we expected where it's like, okay, Criswell's a massive upgrade. And if, big if, hopefully it doesn't happen, if KJ has to come out this year, you're going to have somebody that definitely has enough to get the job done in Criswell. Uh, I really like what Singleton gave too. As a true freshman, you can tell why they wanted him. Now, he had some mistakes. And he had a fumble. Um, you know, it wasn't like everything was perfect for him. But when it comes to how he looks, you know, how, how his speed, his athleticism there, too, I think you can definitely tell how excited these guys are to uh, have them be a part of the team. So the quarterbacks really look good. And honestly, the wide receivers, to me, were, were standouts. Now, I know that probably, for those of you who may not watch the spring game, probably looking at me like, okay, what? Are you just saying that because it's the one position that everybody wants to hear is getting better? And, you know, no, I, I don't. I, I honestly believe that what we saw from some of the wide receivers, some of the new guys and some of the guys that have been on the team is a good sign. I, I really like Isaac Tesla. Of course, he came on the podcast a few months ago and uh, talked about his role in the team. But I believe uh, he's going to be an impact player. He's I don't know if he'll lead the team in receptions and yards. It wouldn't surprise me. But you can tell why there were so many SEC schools that were after him. He's got athleticism. His, his ability to catch the ball in traffic is really great. Uh, he just seems to have a really good head on his shoulders and is able to make plays when it matters the most. So uh, I like what Isaac Tesla gave. I love what Isaiah Centania, uh, you know, a guy that was a freshman last year, we kept hearing about his speed and uh, his ability to be a track star and hopefully to be a burner. We didn't really see much of him last year. But uh, we saw an incredible play. Not KJ, where he throws a bomb to Isaiah, hits him in stride, and he's off to the races. It was nice to see that, and it was nice to see a wide receiver that can have that type of impact play where if you can just get him behind the safeties, uh, just throw it up to him and let him go get it and he let him uh, let him run it in because there's not going to be many players out there. Even in the SEC, they're going to be able to catch him once he gets the ball in his hands. So I, I like what we saw from uh, Centennial and then, you know just his ability. I think even the tight ends at times – you know, it's still work in progress, but uh, I know that it's something that Danny Enos really wants to rely on, too. But uh, just the pass catchers in general, I, I, I like what I saw. There wasn't a whole lot of drops there. There wasn't a whole lot of miscommunications. There wasn't a whole lot of guys lining up improperly like that. Those types of things I'm just I feel good about and I like. 
And hopefully we get to see more of that. Now, the defensive side of the ball, of course, is where the a lot of the questions, or at least maybe the make or break for the season, is going to take place. Because I believe, I think we all believe that the offense is going to be fine as long as KJ's there and as long as Rockets there, as long as the offensive line is there. Like you're going to be at least SEC caliber at the offense. The defense is the biggest question because you have so many changes and so much turnover, coaches, players, everything. And knowing how you had the worst pass defense in the country just a year ago, it's like you can't get much worse in that regard, but will be at least good enough to win games. And I, I honestly, I love what I saw from at least the defensive line, particularly the defensive ends. Uh, the Missouri transfer, Jeff, uh, Jeff Cope, looked great. Landon Jackson, I think is he's going to be a star. The transfer, of course, from LSU a year ago came in and uh, he, he got some playing time. You got to see him, but I think he's going to be a stud. I, I liked what I saw from the D-line. And the depth there and the size there, I know that they've done a really good job in the portal and uh, getting guys in, but there's no doubt that this D-line overall, I believe, is going to be uh, much improved from what it was a year ago. Uh, even the linebacker position, which you're missing out Drew Sanders and Bumper Pool, uh, but of course, you know, Chris Paul's there. Uh, Crook is going to be there too, and he's been a, a player that's been added into the mix. And then the secondary you know, we talked about how bad it was last year. It's going to be better just based on the fact that it won't be any worse than what it was last year. But the 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 depth that they've added and all the transfers that they got there, the guys from Baylor, you know, the guy from Georgia, the uh, the guys that they brought on from past this past year with Nudie and uh, you know Quincy McAdoo and and Hudson Clark. It's like they have a great mix of experienced guys that have been on the team with some big time transfers that'll be able to help out immediately. And if they can just figure it out and, and make it coexist and throw, you know, the best five, six guys out there, depending on what the formations are going with, uh, it's going to be a much more improved deal. And so I, uh, I, I just really wanted to watch, like as weird as it is, because I know we talked about the spring game and what to look for, and what some people look for, and maybe some people didn't really care about it. But the one thing that I really wanted to watch going into it, though, is all right, how do people communicate? How do people line up? Is it a mess? Is it constant stoppages in play, yelling at people? You know, what are you doing? Are the players like sitting there holding his hands up? I don't know what I'm doing. Like, at least from what I saw and what I was able to check out, I didn't see any of that. Now, part of it, I was up in the press box, and the other part, I was down closer onto the field. But from what I saw, I didn't really see many of those plays. I didn't really see a lot of miscommunications and issues, which to me is a great sign, especially in spring practice, especially with so many new players. And so many new coaches, if you're able to get through it and not have a whole lot of breakdowns and frustrations and annoyances like that, it shows that what the coaching staff has been able to do and what they're trying to establish throughout spring here in the final spring practice, it's at least making sense enough to them to where they know what to do. They may not do it right and they may not be perfect all the time, but they know at least where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing and how to do it. That's a good sign. So uh, I still believe with the schedule this year, and I still believe with this team this year, I still think it's going to be a better team. I still think you're going to win more games than you did last year. Uh, I think that you may even surprise some people because uh, in the SEC West, it's a very, like, it's, you're still going to have Bam and LSU who are going to be the top tier teams. But as far as like so many mysteries, like you don't know what Auburn's going to be like in the first year if you freeze. What about Arnett there at Mississippi State in his first year? You have no idea what they're going to look like. Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, I mean, I think that they, you know, shot their wad with that 10 win season. So, but you've done, you've kind of done really well against Lane Kiffin, uh, A&M and that who knows with that with the Bobby Petrino deal. So point is, is like just with the schedule and everything, 
I, you know, Arkansas could be one of those surprise teams in the West that actually ends up being really good and being competitive. But you know, you got you got to be able to to put the right things in place and get your guys in the right position and just take the talent and continue to move on. So I like what I saw for what it's worth in spring, but I know a lot of people didn't care about that as much as they did the Razorback baseball series against Tennessee, which we'll talk about here in just a second. But first, folks, grand slams, no hitters, and double plays, they're all back. And there's no better place to get in on all the MLB action than FanDuel America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can sign up to the, and step up to the plate with their no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to place your first bet, and you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. And this is not even just about runs or scored or over-unders. You're talking about prop bets. You're talking about uh, being able to wager on certain hitters, certain pitchers, who's going to do what. You can have it all with FanDuel. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Join FanDuel.com slash on all to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast and something that I was really excited about. And I will admit I was a little surprised by the Razorback baseball team sweeps the Tennessee Volunteers, swept them three and oh, Arkansas is officially 11 and four in SEC play as uh, the highly anticipated return of Tony Vitello to Fayetteville and the Tennessee Volunteers uh, ended up resulting in them taking three L's against the Razorbacks. And I, I got to go to Friday night's game and Saturday night's game. I was there in the stands, and I, I will say, like I, I put this out on Twitter, and we can, we'll talk about some of the specifics as far as what this uh, series sh- showed. I, I'm not saying that Tennessee's a great team because they're not a good team right now. Like they're not. I know it's I know it's Tennessee, and you got to respect everybody, but they are certainly having major problems. And I don't think that because Arkansas just swept them means that Arkansas fans and everybody's like, hey, we're the best team in the country, or oh, you know, we just dominated a. Uh, a top 10 team, it's like, it's a great one because anytime you can sweep in the SEC or even win a series in the SEC, it's always huge. But you also have to take each matchup and each uh, team that you play into consideration because as we all know, it's not about, you know, how many games you win or whatever in the regular season, it's just about getting hot at the right time. Because Tennessee has enough talent, absolutely, to be able to get hot at the right time and really bring it once postseason comes around. And they could be one of those teams that makes a run at Omaha when they didn't even host a regional or super regional. But the way that Arkansas is playing right now and what they're able to do, especially with all the injuries that continue to mount up, like Jerry Wagner uh, is going to be on three to four weeks with an injury. And it's you're just like, dude, like how, how what, who, who, who pissed off the baseball gods for Arkansas this year and the injuries? Because you're talking about three very prominent pitchers that are out like, you know, as we all know, Jackson Wiggins and, and uh, what uh, what Cody Frank is. And also now with Tiger, who we expect to be back. But you've been dealing with those injuries. And then you got Wagner, who's such a huge part of the team, huge contributor. He's going to be out for a significant period of time. You got to get him. Hopefully, he'll be ready to roll once uh, once May comes around. And because as we know, that's where really where things start to get revved up. But aside from all that, like, I don't want to turn it into the negative thing. I'm just woe is me and woe is us because Arkansas continues to have injuries. 
uh, in their in their uh, lineup and also in their pitching rotation. But the most impressive thing about this Razorback baseball team is, given all of that, they still are finding ways to win. They are still finding ways to win. Like the fact that you swept Tennessee and you are the halfway point of SEC play. You've gone through five SEC series and you're sitting at 11 and four. You're leading the SEC West. You're two games out of being the uh, overall best team in the league. And you've won four out of five SEC series. And the only one you did lose to is the number one team in the country, LSU, to which you did win game one. The fact that with that, on top of all of the injuries, you're still finding ways to win is just awesome. Like that, that is a huge testament to Dave Van Horn and the job that he's done as well as all the kids that are on the team and continuing to just battle through where no one's feeling sorry for them. They're not feeling sorry for themselves. It's just, hey, next man up. Next man up mentality. We got to keep it going. You start to see players who have really come into their own are getting better. I, I, Caleb Cowley had some great hits uh, and some great plays. Uh, you know, People always really hated on Bolton a lot at shortstop. And he is a guy that has really started to come into his own at the shortstop position. He had a lot of great, great plays. Uh, Stovar, our guy Stovey, you know, he was doing some big things there in the infield. Uh, the guys that are coming in in the, in the pitching rotation, I feel like, of course, everybody deserves a lot of credit, but they, I think they deserve so much praise for knowing what they've been up against. Cause Dave Van Horn kept talking about this is the deepest pitching staff we've ever had. And everyone kind of got onto him when uh, the pitching was shaking there at a bit, but now you're starting to see, what he's talking about. Like in game one, you were able to go out there with Hunter Holland who do a phenomenal job and then bring in Hagen Smith and that's it. Boom, you're done. You won. Good job. Uh, you had Will McIntyre starting game two who gave you six great innings, did his job. And then you bring in Gage Wood, takes care of business. And, uh, you know, in game three even, uh, I guess it was, it was Bybee. Yeah, Bybee had a good, had a good, uh, you know, outing there too. I think they also had... Um, you know, because again, with those Saturday or Sunday games, you're going to have different pitchers uh, that are coming in. But like Bybee, he came out of the fourth inning, and Dylan Carter, who oh, man, Dylan Carter's looking, he's looking really good too. I, I loved what uh, he was able to do and uh, how he extended a, uh, you know, be, being you can tell what he what people see from him. You can tell that uh, he's a guy that's so great to have not only on uh, the Sunday rotation but just the rotation in general. So. Arkansas just again they keep finding ways to win. It shows the toughness that they have, and uh, you know they got some still some big series left on the horizon. They got Georgia on the road this weekend. Georgia's good. Uh, South Carolina and Vanderbilt, both teams. Luckily, you got South Carolina at home. You got to go to Vanderbilt. Those are going to be huge games, and uh, you know you still got uh, Texas A and M that you're going to have to play, which they're hit and miss. You never really know what to expect out of them, but you know you got some tough ones in front of you but you got to just give a lot of kudos to Dave Van Horn and the staff and everybody that's involved where they they're winning they're winning at home they're doing it with timely hitting uh and and that's another thing too it's not just home runs or strikeouts like there were triples being hit in, in this series uh timely hits like right there in the gap they were being patient they took walks uh they had some really heads up base running uh, i just all these things are really coming together and and it sucks because it's like i'm excited for it but at the same time, we got to also look at it where it's like, let's get all, uh, you know, this all could be in vanity unless you get to the postseason. Because, again, you can play great now, but can you play your best once postseason arrives? That's what matters the most. But it felt good to beat the Vols. It felt good to sweep old Tony V. And uh, suddenly the fans are just not as uh, loud as they were. wonder why. Weird how that works out. 
Keep on winning, Hogs. It feels pretty good. Let's talk some basketball and a huge, I wouldn't say huge, but still significant news when it comes to the transfer portal, somebody going out and also somebody coming in here on the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Uh, wow, some big news that happened over the weekend and something that we talked about because it looked like it was going to be okay and that Barry Dunning was going to be returning at Arkansas and he's not. He actually is entering into the transfer portal. Uh, he's going to have three years uh, remaining. And it was funny because he had he tweeted out like literally less than a week ago that he was at Bud Walton ready to return and now he's going to be moving on. And so he's a uh, two-time Alabama player of the year. And he was the number two. Uh, he was a McDonald's All-American nominee uh, that year, too, in the 2022 class. So had a really good year, five-star or four-star. And I think his uh, ESPN had him as the number 74 player in the country. And so, yeah, he was he had a lot of accolades come along with it, just couldn't see the court. And so people start to wonder, okay, <laughs> how did this happen? And he said that Barry, or it looked, looked like that Barry Dunning was coming back, but now he's not. And I, I, I think I'm trying to remember when, which podcast, when I broke it down and talked about it, but it's so true even still to this day. It doesn't matter what these players are necessarily coming out and saying. They may indicate that they want to come back and say that they're coming back, but that may not be the case. And you, you got to look at it in a perspective of, like, these are, it's become essentially pro one-year contracts. That's what it, that's what bas- high level college basketball has become. You're, you're you're treated like a pro, like a professional athlete, and just because you're playing on the team this year does not mean you'll have a spot next year. Now you can hate that, you can hate that way it's done, you can hate the way that uh, it's it's going on in college basketball, but that's the way it is. It's the way it is. And with Dunning, I know I don't know all the story behind it, but it certainly seems like with him it was, hey, we appreciate it, but. We're trying to look to add other pieces, and I don't think there's going to be a spot for you next year. It would be best for you to enter into the portal, and that's what he's doing. I don't think that there's always going to be a bunch of ill will. Now, I don't know. Maybe Barry Dunning's really upset, and maybe he's mad at Muss or mad at Arkansas or mad at whoever. I don't know, but I'm just saying, like, not every situation like this is going to be a horrible one for the player or vice versa, horrible for the team. Sometimes it's best for everybody to be involved. But I hate to see Barry Dunning go. I, I really liked his energy. I liked what he did in the locker room. And I also could tell that he loved being at Arkansas and he wanted to stay at Arkansas or else he wouldn't have indicated that that was the case. But we know Muss is, you know, he's a roster builder. He does a lot of roster management and he's trying to uh, figure things out. And so there, there was a few visits that were happening over the weekend. And uh, Tyler Perry, which is still funny to me, uh, he was visiting. And, you know, they, they look like they're high on him and look like uh, they're really wanting him too. But, we st- uh, what it looks like is a different player is going to be committing to the University of Arkansas here soon as uh, 24-7 Sports gave their crystal ball uh, prediction to him coming to Arkansas. And it is L. Ellis, who played at Louisville last year. Now, you know Louisville, who was one of the worst teams in the country. And you probably see that and you're like, ooh, well, what, what does he add to the table? Well, he's a 6'3 guard. He's, he's a senior. Uh, he's been an experienced player. And... This past season for Louisville, he averaged 18 points a game, 
four and a half assists per game, two and a half rebounds per game. He shot 81% from the free throw line. He shot 32% from three-point land and 41% from the field. He played in 32, all 32 games, and he averaged 36 minutes per game. So looks like they're adding him into the mix. Another big, another guy that can put it up and score. 18 points per game is awesome. And I love, I, and this might be one of my favorite things, that he averages four and a half assists per game. Now, he turned the ball over too many times. He averaged uh, 3.8 turnovers per game. So uh, they got to get that fixed. But the fact that he's looking to distribute and get four and a half assists per game uh, is a great sign. And uh, uh, it's somebody that obviously must is getting to the point to where if he's a player that they really want, and again, it looks like from all indications, he's going to be at Arkansas next year. If they're approaching it that way, where it's so much as like, hey, we know this particular player can add some big value to us so much so that we're willing to move on from a player that may be currently on our roster they obviously have a lot of high expectations or at least feel like something that Ellis can do personally, assuming that again, it's not official, but it just seems like all indications are pointing that way to where he'll be able to come into the mix. Uh, we'll probably break it more down as when uh, he officially announces, assuming he officially announces, because I think there's going to be still some more portal news going on this week uh, for basketball. But again, I, I hate to see Dunning go, but I understand it. I get it. It's the way it is. And we can sit here and complain about it, or we can sit there and just say, you know what? It's the way it is. So instead of complaining, let's just look ahead. And, you know, because as long as the results come in, as long as the winning keeps happening, nobody's going to be too upset by that. But if Arkansas is able to pull off another big time get with L. Ellis, uh, they're I just like that's so much scoring because that'll be like their fifth player out of the portal, I think. And all five of the players are like average double digit points. So it's like you're going to get start getting flirting with like that's like 80 points per game you're adding into the mix just via the transfer portal. So. Uh, but we'll talk about that. There'll be some more basketball news throughout this week. But either way, appreciate everybody listening into Locked On Razor Max podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Buzz John Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.